0: And uh, week number three in our process here, going through the, the four main core teachings of our organization, we come today to the topic of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so what I hope for today is that we look at this topic as we have the other topics and we gain an appreciation for what God wants to do in our lives as a church. We gain in our, in our lives a sense of a fact that God has something more for us in our lives than where we currently are. And I, I think one of the things that happens in Christianity so often is that we kind of just get in the door of Christianity. We just kind of get in the door and, and we meet Jesus and, and we do something. We kind of get saved and stuck. We kind of just get saved and sit there and, and don't advance in our spiritual walk. And, and God, that's not God's plan for us. His plan is for us to be advancing always. And, and part of that way he wants us to advance is um, through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, of getting um, deeper in, involved in the Spirit of the Lord, more controlled in our lives, so that we can become the people of God that he wants us to become. Everybody, you, you want to go further with the Lord? Isn't that what we want in our lives? I'm not satisfied with where I am today, and I hope you're not satisfied with where, where you are. And in our progression in this, in this Christian walk, we understand that there's steps that take place, and one of those steps to advance is that we understand, we come into this experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And for us to understand this properly today, what I want to do is I want to back up in our series back to the very first week, three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, and um, begin looking at the topic of salvation. And we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does in salvation, and then that's going to lead us into the Holy Spirit's activity through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So grab your Bible, if you would, this morning, and I want you to turn to the book of Romans. Romans. Turn to the book of Romans, to the 8th chapter. I'll look at a scripture in a few different areas this morning. We're talking about a topic this morning that I know that, that living in a community like we live in, southeast Wisconsin, with all kinds of different church backgrounds, I know that di- people come into the service with different ideas on this topic, that you've been told different things in your church life, and uh, it's a topic that has, that has caused confusion over the years. And I really don't think it's a confusing topic. But it's one that I want us just to look at today and uh, keep our hearts open and say, God, you know, just show me what your word really says here. And so we're going to start today by looking at Romans 8, just one verse, chapter 9. But I want you to keep your finger in this section because we're going to come back to it after this verse in a little while. And we're going to read kind of a a big portion of it. But let's start at just verse 9 of chapter 8. And it says this It says, However, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. Now, this is talking about people who have come to Christ. And again, we're going to read this whole section in a few minutes. And it's talking about the difference in the life between living according to our flesh and living according to the Holy Spirit. And verse 9 says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And this verse says something um, that's interesting. It says that if someone does not have the Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, then they don't belong to Christ. And the reverse way of saying that, which is true, is that if someone does have the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Spirit of Christ within them, uh, then they do belong to him. And I want you to understand something. This is talking about salvation. That when a person is saved, which we talked about two weeks ago, what that process of salvation, when a person comes to know Christ as their Savior, that the spiritual work that happens within them in order to come to Christ and be born again is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit who does what we call in scriptures the regenerating, that giving a brand new life. It's a Holy Spirit that gives new spiritual life to a person When they come to Christ, the Holy Spirit takes a person who was physically alive, but spiritually dead and breathes life into them and they become a living spiritual being. I think it's a lot uh, symbolically like when God created Adam, it says he created him out of the dust of the earth and then the spirit breathed into him and he became a living being. The spirit of God breathing into us at salvation, takes somebody who was spiritually dead and makes them spiritually alive. And that's really important for us to remember because salvation is not just being better or a little different. And I really think in our culture today, our concept of salvation has been somewhat warped by the church world into thinking that you just kind of come into church, you get assimilated into the things of God, and you just kind of get a little bit better. And that's salvation. You're just kind of a little bit better than you were before. Well, Scripture doesn't paint salvation like that scripture shows that salvation is comes into a person's life where a person was spiritually dead one moment they come to christ they bow their knees they repent of their sins they turn from serving self to serving christ and something spiritual happens in their life and they they get spiritual life in them by the activity of the holy spirit it's kind of like turning on a light switch this is what salvation is like It's when you come into a darkened room and you turn a light switch on, the light goes on and you have new spiritual life. Um, That's what salvation is all about. And at that point, when a person comes to know Christ, the Spirit of God then dwells in that person. And there's a reason I want to point this out today. There's been a misunderstanding in the, in the Pentecostal world that they'll look at somebody who's not experienced the, this, this experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they'll make a crazy statement. They'll say, that person doesn't have the Holy Spirit. That's not true. When a person comes to Jesus and they have this spiritual renewal called the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes into their, into their lives and indwells that person because the activity of salvation is an activity of the Holy Spirit. If you are born again, the Spirit of God is doing work in your life, and the Spirit of God's presence is within you, and there is proof that that Spirit's presence is proof of the salvation that you receive. The light switch is going on. There's now light there's proof of the reality of the Holy Spirit within your life. It's the activity of the Holy Spirit that saves somebody. It says it like this in the book of Titus. Titus says it like this in three five. It says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He says it's done by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. That when we come to Christ for salvation, the Holy Spirit is the one who does the saving work in us and now the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. Now this activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives at salvation um, is tangible. and, And we can feel the effects or recognize the effects of salvation in our life by the activity of the Holy Spirit. Grab your Bible again. Look back at Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read all the way from, from verse 5 to verse 17. And what we're going to be looking at is effects of the Holy Spirit at salvation, starting in verse 5. It said, For those who are according to the flesh... Can you maybe bring this down a little bit? of getting some ringing or something. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, it's verse nine we read earlier, however, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though your body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who, who, who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. Now, I know we just read a pretty long section, but I read it because there's a couple different things I want us to see in that section about what we experience when the Spirit of God comes into our life at salvation. I want us to look at two effects that are in our lives because of the Spirit at salvation. The first effect of this is this. If the Spirit of God, um, it's the Spirit of God within us at salvation that cries out from within us, Abba, Father. Look at verses 15 and 16. It says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. They say, What's that talking about? There's something within me crying out, Abba Father. Well, Abba is a term of endearment. Abba, Abba Father would be kind of like saying, Daddy God. That when we come to Christ. Something inside of us happens where we gain an intimacy with the Lord. That something within us, there's something spiritual within us because the Spirit of God is now resident within us, that we have a desire for intimacy with God and that we now cry out from our very being, kind of like Daddy God, Father, I want to be close to you. That closeness that is established between a person and their Heavenly Father is a result of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. And let me prove it this way. How many of you in this place before you met Christ had this great desire to be close to God. Really, you cried out in your spirit, Abba, Father. You know, not really so much. Because you know what you really had inside of you? You had a spirit saying, I don't really want to get close to God because I want to live in darkness. Right? That's your life before Christ. But when you come to Christ, something real happens. The Holy Spirit saves you, regenerates you. And now you have this desire in you that says, I want to be close to God. And you know how I know it's true? How many of you got up an hour early this morning to come to church? Right? Why did you do that? Because something within you, how many of you raised your hands and clapped your hands and sang songs this morning? Why? Why did you do it? You did it because something within you says, I just want to know God. How many of you, when you worship God at times, tears just flow from your face and you have this desire, you say, God, I just want to express to you that I love you. You know what that is? That's the reality of the Holy Spirit within you, the Spirit of God within you, crying out, Abba, Father, saying, I want to be close with God. You didn't have that before you came to Christ as your Savior. That's an evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life because of salvation. But it's not the only effect. There's another effect that we want to look at. There's many more, but we want to look at two from this text. The second effect that I want us to see from the Holy Spirit at salvation is this. It is the Spirit of God within, within a Christian that makes them desire to live godly and not give in to the desires of the flesh. Look at verse 5. It says, But those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit have set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Do you have any sense inside of you there's a battle going on since you came to Christ? Have any of you do things now that you would have done before, that never would have bothered you, but now when you do something, you feel odd about it, you feel guilty about it? How about this? A very practical one. Some of you came to Christ after you you were married. And before you were married, you got in a squabble. Anybody ever get in a fight with their spouse? Never? Okay, we all do. And you say something mean to each other, and you said it, and you almost had a sense like, ha, I got you. Right? But after you come to Christ... You do the same thing, you say, that, ah, I got you, and you walk, and you turn a walk away, and all of a sudden something comes on you. And you say, ah, oh, that was stupid. Why did I do that? She's God's gift to me, he's God's gift to me. Why did I do that? Do you know why that happens inside of you? Because there's a battle raging within you. A battle that's the evidence of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That internal struggle that you feel between the flesh and the spirit is proof of the Holy Spirit living within you. Oftentimes people will come to me and say, you know what, I'm just so frustrated because of this struggle within me. I feel like I want to do this, but then I feel like God wants me to do that. And they're upset because of the struggle. I would tell you this, never be upset because of the struggle. Because the struggle is proof that the spirit of God lives within you. You know what you need to be upset about? If you do something wrong, and there's no struggle. If you can just go do a sin and it doesn't bother you, it says there's something wrong because there's no evidence of the struggle within you. So the struggle is a is a proof. It's a reality that the Holy Spirit is within you and that the Holy Spirit is doing active, active work in you because you gave your life to Christ. So there's evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives because of salvation. Now, I want you to understand something at this point in our message. All that's been about Two weeks ago. It's been about the Holy Spirit at salvation. I want us to understand something. That as wonderful as that activity is, and as necessary as that activity is, I want you to understand this. God has more for you. In the Spirit, God has more for you than than just having his evidence, crying out for intimacy with him, which is wonderful, which is great. He has more for you than just knowing that you're fighting between the flesh and the spirit. He has more for you in the spirit. And the Lord in his word says this, He says, I have more for you and so much more for you, and I have such great things for you to do that I'm going to give you not only the Holy Spirit to do regenerating work, but I'm going to make available to you the baptism in the Holy Spirit to give you great power so you can do great things for me. And he says, in the words, that we can be baptized, or an exchangeable word, filled with the Spirit of God. And friends, God has a life of of greater spiritual power available for his children than just getting in the door at salvation, sitting in a pew, and enduring until he comes or we die. He has something more for us. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus said to his followers right before he ascended into heaven. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 1. As you're turning there, we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. Understand something. If you don't need to put this in context Jesus has just lived his full three years of ministry on earth He's done all these miracles He's been crucified He's risen from the dead He's appeared for 40 days with, to, to multiple people And now he's with his disciples for the very last time He's going to give them some instructions And he knows in a couple minutes He's going to be lifted up into heaven To sit at the right hand of the Father And look what he says to his followers Who are, are they saved already as disciples? They know Jesus. and so They've walked with him for three years. Are they born again? Yeah, they are. Listen to what he says to his disciples in chapter 1 of Acts, verses 4 and 5. It says, gathering them together. Jesus gathered his, gathered his disciples together. He commanded them to not leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. Chapter verse 5. For John baptized, that's John the Baptist, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus looks at these people who have followed him for three years. He says, listen, I've, you've come to salvation. I know you. I've got incredible work for you to do. And listen, you go to Jerusalem and you sit there and you wait because there's something more you need to do what I've called you to do. If you're saved, you're in the kingdom. They've got evidence inside of you that says this is real. You've got something cried out, "Abba, Father, I want to be closer to God." If they didn't, they wouldn't have followed Jesus through all the all this horror of His crucifixion and following after Him. Something's inside of them; they're wanting to live righteous lives. But He says, "You know what? That's good, but it's not enough." He says, "I have something more for you. That in a few days, not only will you have been baptized in water, like John said, but the Father has a promise for you. He wants to baptize you." in the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you an illustration that I think will ex- explain, maybe to all of us, but maybe for our kids to really watch this, to understand what Jesus is talking about here. What is this? What do I have here? A pitcher, water, glass? Oh, it's not. It's so much more than that this morning. Right? This is one of you. Who's, this is, want to be Dale? We call it Dale. We call it, we call it Josh or Suzanne. This is a person. It's not a glass right now. This person is born just in this condition right here. This person is born, they're a cup, they're alive, but they're empty inside. Why are they empty inside? They don't have Christ. They don't have Jesus in their life. There's nothing inside of them yet. They don't have any spiritual reality, and spiritual power. They can do all the normal cup stuff. They can sit on a shelf. They can do whatever a cup does, whatever a person does, but they, they don't have spiritual life inside of them yet. And when they come to Jesus... They get spiritual life. What happens? We said it was like a light switch being turned on. It's also kind of like water being poured into a glass. Suddenly there's a reality of something inside of your life. What's that reality inside of you now when you come to when you come to Christ for salvation? The Holy Spirit. Now, because the Holy Spirit's in the cup in, in your life, is there evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of you? Sure there is. Look at it. watch. Ooh, that's pretty good. Anybody else have a dry throat after worshiping? This is pretty good. Yeah, there's evidence that the Holy Spirit... What's the Holy Spirit's evidence in there? We just talked about it. Suddenly, there's evidence in there. Suddenly, something inside of me is crying out. I want to be closer to God. Abba, Father. I want to be closer to you, Lord. There's evidence of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, the cup does something wrong, and the evidence inside of it says, you know what, Mark? That was sin. You shouldn't have done that. Why did you talk that way to that person? Why did, you, why did you do that thing that's against God's word? And there's evidence inside. I know that the Holy Spirit is active inside of my life. That's, a, that's the believer with the Holy Spirit saved, and you know what? On their way to heaven. Can you get to heaven in this condition? Absolutely. You're born again. The Holy Spirit's working in your life. You have the evidence of God within you by the Holy Spirit. But you know what Jesus said? He says, I've got something more for you. You know what more he has? He says, Mark, you know what? I don't want you to just live that life. I want you to live this life. He says, "Get get get in the water. Get in the Spirit. Friends, that's the kind of life that Jesus promises to his children if they will live a life filled or empowered or baptized with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to live a life where we don't have more of the Spirit. Did we have the Spirit of God within us when we were saved? Yes. But you know what? He wants us to live a life where the Spirit of God has more of us. And that's the difference between salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's when we surrender our life and the Holy Spirit wraps His arms around us and He says, you know what? Um... I want all of you. I want to control you. I want to use you greatly. And friends, God wants all of his children to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, but why? If I was just that cup before, I'm going to go to heaven, right? Yeah. Why? You know why God wants the baptism in the Holy Spirit for every one of us? Because of spiritual power. You see, you can get saved and you can just warm a pew and you um, will not need a whole lot of spiritual power in your life. I had a professor in Bible school that used to say this. He was just this, this maniac uh, guy. Oh, he, he did all this crazy kind of outreach ministry, go to the worst places in the world, tell people about Christ. And he'd get, he almost hated Bible college students, so it was kind of funny. He was a professor, but he was angry with us all the time. And he'd say, I'm so sick of you kids sitting around saying, I want power. Power, power, that's all you talk about. He says, you don't need power until you get in a position where, God, where you need to have power. He'd say, get off your butt and do something. And if you get off your butt and do something, you'll need some power. Then you pray to God and He'll give you the power that you need. Friends, that's what God wants for us. Um, Why does He want us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Where we go beyond just this easy existence. And I believe me, friends. We can just live this existence where the Spirit of God dwells within us, but we don't really have power to do a whole lot more than that. And we can get to heaven. But God has more for us than just getting to heaven. If we want to do what God has called us to do, then we need his supernatural empowerment, and his supernatural empowerment comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you, and be honest with me, you read your pages of the New Testament, of all Scripture, but in particular, you read the Bible, you read the book of Acts. And you see all these amazing things. People being healed. Prophetic words coming out. The Apostle Paul doing crazy things like coming to a town and there's a guy with a a bad spirit in him and he just says, I strike you blind. And the guy's blind. And you say, wow, how in the world does that happen? Laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. You know, how does all that happen, friends? All that amazing stuff is done through people who are filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know what the book of Acts should really be called? It's called the Acts of the Apostles. It honestly, I think, would be better termed the Acts or actions of the Holy Spirit. Because it shows us in the New Testament church the activity of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. It starts on its very first page saying, listen, I'm going to tell you what it's like to live a Spirit-filled life. Jesus says, you stay right here and you don't go anywhere until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those people wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the rest of the book of Acts simply tells their story of what happened after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Friends, understand something. It takes spiritual power to live this kind of spiritual life that God really wants for his people and his church. It takes spiritual power to reach the lost. It takes spiritual power to battle sin. Some of you are saying, how come I have this habitual sin in my life that I can never seem to overcome, and you're doing it, you're trying to overcome it by the power of your flesh. I'm telling you this, God says he has power for you in the spirit if you will give your life in submission to him and be filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll give you power to overcome that battle of sin. It takes spiritual power to heal the sick. It takes spiritual power to resist Satan. It takes spiritual power, you know what? To love your enemies. How many times have you been put in a situation where somebody that you love treated you badly? You know what? You need the Holy Spirit's empowerment to act like Jesus in that situation and, and overcome and love even somebody who's not being loving towards you. It takes spiritual power to overcome demonic oppression and, and, and possession in people's lives. It takes spiritual power to live lives of sacrificing ourselves for others. It takes spiritual power to live holy lives. Friends, that spiritual power, Jesus said to his people, listen, you need that spiritual power, church. Do not even begin to live the life I've called you to until you get filled with the Spirit. Then you can go out and live and do the things I've asked you to do. Friends, understand something. God never intended for us to do any of the things that Scripture asks us to do by our own power. And you know what? The church world forever has been trying to do the things of God by its own power. We accomplish some stuff, but we can't really do what God calls us to do on our own power. He says, you know what? I want to empower you through the baptism in the Holy Spirit to wrap his presence around us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Friends, that's because people were filled with the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about being more empowered to be and to do what God intends. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about reaching your potential in Christ. About saying, Jesus, I want to get in the water. About, Jesus, I want to be filled. You know, who's ever heard of D.L. Moody? Dr. D.L. Moody, great revivalist. A lot of people don't know this about him. D.L. Moody, this is very true. You can check it out, Google it online. D.L. Moody got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Never made a big deal about it, but you know what he said? He said, this is what happened in his life. He was a very effective minister, and he described his life like this. He said, I spent my life going to the river, getting buckets of water, and carrying the buckets of water. He said, and some ladies would come to all my services when I would preach, and they would tell me, Pastor Moody, there's more for you. There's more for you. God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He'd say, but look at all the evidence. Look what's going on. I'm filled with, with power. You know, I've got the buckets of water. He said they kept praying for him. And he said, eventually, he he sought the Lord and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know what I learned? I learned to not carry buckets of water. He said, I learned to get in the river. And friend, that's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is about. It's about living in the flow of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul described his ministry like this. We look at the Apostle Paul as this great guy who's done all these wonderful things. But I would tell you this. This is my opinion. If the Apostle Paul were an American pastor today, he would never pastor a large church. He would never be asked to invite to speak at any large conventions because he was not a very impressive man, according to Scripture. Listen to how he described his very own ministry. If you put this on a poster about your ministry, no one would ask you to come preach at their conventions. Listen to how, how the Apostle Paul describes his own ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. But what were they? He says, But they were in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. The Apostle Paul said, you know what, I'm not very impressive. He said, I don't care about being impressive. He says, I just know this, I'm trusting in the power of the Lord to work through me so that people won't put their trust in me, they'll put their trust in God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, friends, there's a lot that we can do in the flesh. But I am going to tell you this, that what we can do in the flesh is not eternal. God wants his children to jump into his arms, be immersed in the Holy Spirit, and be empowered to do his work on this earth so that it's him doing his work through us. Now we notice something that happens when we, get, when we say to that. We say, God, I want to jump in the water. We say, God, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. When that 120 did that on that day, they said, okay, Jesus, we're not going to leave Jerusalem. We're going to wait till we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait till we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They went and they began to pray. And they said, we're not going to go anyways. We noticed that when that happens, when the Holy Spirit then comes and, and baptizes them in the Holy Spirit, that in all the cases of Scripture, there is an evidence in their lives, just like there was evidence of salvation. The reason that I talked in the beginning about this evidence of salvation is I want you to see that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has evidence also. And it's just being consistent with how God operates that God wants to always give us proof about what's going on in our spiritual lives. When we come to Him and we're saved, He gives us evidence. But He says also, you know what? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you evidence to show you that I'm doing this great, new, wonderful thing in your life. And in every case in Scripture, the evidence is that when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other tongues. That's what we see happen on the day of Pentecost when the 120 were there. They began to speak in other tongues and they run out in the streets and all the people thought they were what? They were drunk. They said, a bunch of drunks running around here. Look at! I hear them speaking in all these different languages. They're all drunk. And what's Peter stand up? He said, these guys aren't drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. He says, you know what this is? This is the promise from hundreds of years ago. This is from thousands of years ago. This is the promise. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. And what you see is today is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. That when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is this spiritual release through our physical bodies by which we praise God in a new and a spiritual way. And it's, it's, it's praising the Lord in tongues. It's the evidence for others on the day of Pentecost. And it's the evidence for us so that we can see that God is working in us in this wonderful new way. And if you look at the scriptures, you see that's what happened when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It happened to the 120. Acts 10 and 11, it happened to Cornelius. He's, he's, he's this Gentile who gets saved and, and they preach the word to him and he's, filled the Holy Spirit, and he starts to speak in tongues, and the apostles look around and say, a Gentile can be saved. Well, how do you know? How do you know he can be saved and filled with the Spirit? Because we see the same thing and hear the same thing in him this is this happening in us. He began to speak in other tongues. It's what we see in the Ephesian believers. Grab your Bible. It's one of the last things we're going to look at today. Acts 19. As we begin to wrap up this morning. Look what happened in Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. It says, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. So Paul has found a group of people who are disciples, they're followers after God and they're they're believers in Christ. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, they are believers. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptized then? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, and that is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And there were about twelve men. These disciples, who it says were followers, who were baptized in Christ, believed. Then Paul comes, and he lays hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And God says, I'm going to prove to you that the Holy Spirit come upon you. They had the same evidence. They all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Friends, I want us to understand something today. In Pentecost, what's happened for so long is we've emphasized this evidence. We've emphasized the evidence. Is the evidence important? Absolutely it's important. It's evidence more so for you than for anyone else. It's evidence saying, just like there's evidence salvation that salvation says I'm really saved, it's evidence that comes into my life to say, I've really been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you know what? That evidence is wonderful and it's good, but is it, the, is it the big picture? No. The big picture is this, friends. God wants us to live lives beyond the spiritual lives that we're living when we do it in our own flesh. And he does that by filling us in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit, by telling us, saying, God, I want to jump in all the way. I want to be embraced and involved and, 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 and surrounded by your presence. Friends, God offers to us a life beyond just struggling in our flesh. If you're feeling like all I'm doing is carrying buckets of water, and every Sunday you come in and you get your buckets filled up and you say, oh God, I just hope I can make it to Wednesday service. God, I hope I can make it to Sunday. And your bucket's draining water out and you come down to the, end of the week and you say, I'm empty. God has something more for you. He says there's a life where we can get in the river. There's a life where we can live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, all we gotta do is jump in friends, the same way it took faith to receive salvation. It takes faith to say, God, fill me with your spirit and allow the Lord to come and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Lord says in our last verse. This is what the Lord says to you if you will ask. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Pay attention to this. Luke 11:13. 13. It says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Friends, God has something for us if we ask. It's always about asking and receiving. And friends, if you have come to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit active within you. But if you haven't taken that next step and asked the Holy Spirit to baptize you, if you haven't jumped in all the way, I'm going to encourage you today and every day. Because understand, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time action. It is a lifetime action. Because I guess the best way to describe it is we leak. We leak. If I was to take the cup up, what I should really have in that cup is a hole in the bottom, and then gradually it leaks out, and I've got to keep jumping back in and jumping back in to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to challenge you, church. I'm going to challenge myself. We need to live lives where every single day we're saying, "God, I want to jump in." Now, God gives evidence the first time we do that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's this great evidence. We begin to speak and worship in tongues. But you know what? That's wonderful and it's great, but the real thing is, what it's all about is jumping in and staying in, so that we can have the spiritual power to live the lives that he's called us to do. If we're going to take this church forward and we're going to reach this community that's lost and going to hell, there's only one way we're going to do it. It's not going to come from, from Pastor Mark preaching good sermons, the Apostle Paul, so that it doesn't work. It's not going to come because one or two of us just say, you know what, we're, we're jumping in the bucket. It's going to come as a church that we begin to say, God, We're tired of doing it in the flesh. God, we're tired of doing it by our own efforts. And we're going to ask you, God, as we jump into into this thing with both feet, God, fill us with the Holy Spirit so that you can do through us amazing things beyond anything that we've ever done before. Do you believe that's God's plan for his church? I absolutely believe it's God's plan for this church on this day. I invite you to stand with me this morning.